morning. So open your Bibles, please, to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We'll read together there, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I want to say how thankful I am for all of you who helped with Vacation Bible School this year. It was so good to be able to have Bible school. And um, for those of you who helped, we are especially grateful. And by the way, you, you found this, maybe those of you who helped too. There is something about serving instead of just seeing faith about what you get, but something about serving and giving and doing that is so valuable to your faith and a blessing to others. And I'm, I appreciate those of you who have that spirit and that attitude and who help us in so many ways like that. God bless you. And thank you for Bible school, all of you uh, kids who were able to be there as well. And then next Sunday is 4th of July. It's the 4th of July on Sunday. And so we'll, we'll have uh, our 940 and 11 o'clock worship services. We'll only have life groups for three years old and under that day only. We'll go back to our normal schedule after that. But um, we'll have an opportunity to say thank you to our military folks. You know, we live in a military community and we are grateful for them. And that's always a kind of a special thing for us. And also to point out that something, there's something greater than politics, right? There's something more important than uh, the politics that we have. I'm thankful that the Lord teaches us from His Word. We'll open God's Word together as well. Hope you can join us if you're in town next Sunday. Well, let's read together in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to talk about the role of the Holy Spirit, what the Bible calls here the ministry of the Spirit. And the Bible tells us God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's the nature of God. God is one God with three ways of being. He is always, it always has been and always will be the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we can ignore the Holy Spirit if we're not careful and not recognize the role of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit guides us and how He empowers us. And the Holy Spirit shows us more. We see more from God's Word of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Let's read beginning in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 7. The Bible says, Now if the ministry that brought death, chiseled in letters on stones, came with glory, so that the Israelites were not able to gaze steadily at Moses' face because of its glory, which was set aside, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry that brought condemnation had glory, the ministry that brings righteousness overflows with even more glory. In fact, what had been glorious is not glorious now by comparison because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was set aside was glorious, what endures will be even more glorious. Since then we have such a hope, we act with great boldness. We're not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from gazing steadily until the, uh, uh, until the end of the glory of what was being set aside. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains. It is not lifted because it is set aside only in Christ. Yet still today, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We all, with unveiled faces, are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Well, let's talk about the ministry of the Spirit as it's described here. And I'm going to ask you to write down three principles as we look at the role of the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit does, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And if you're here in person or watching online, if you'd write these three principles down. It'll help us to kind of to follow what the Bible is teaching here. First, would you note the ministry of the Spirit shows us God's glory. The ministry of the Spirit 
shows us God's glory. The Holy Spirit always points us to God's glory. The Holy Spirit always points us to God's glory. And in these verses, the Bible is reminding us about the glory of God. And the Bible talks here about seeing God's glory in the law and then seeing God's glory in grace. Let's note each. So we see God's glory in the law. Verse 7 says, If the ministry that brought death chiseled in letters on stones came with glory. Well, what's, what's that referring to? Well, the law, the Old Testament law, the rules that God gave to us, some of them were chiseled in stone. God himself wrote the Ten Commandments, for example, chiseled in stone. And that is the law. It was God's expectation of us, what God told us to do and how God wanted us to live. It taught us an important lesson. It taught us God is holy. God is holy. I want you to note that because you'll never understand the glory of God unless you understand that God is a holy God. He is a holy, righteous God. And it reminds us that we are not because the Bible says here the ministry brought death. The Bible says it's the ministry that brought condemnation. That's what verse 9 says. It's telling us that the law points out God is holy, and it also points out we are sinners. And that because we've sinned, we're rightly condemned by God. And that a holy God could rightly say about us, you fall short of my glory. You fall short of my glory. My brothers were here in this, two of my three brothers were here in this last hour, and I could point out to them that our parents had rules, and they broke them with great frequency. I wanted to talk about it to them more, but they slept during much of the sermon, so I don't think they got it as much. But not only did my brothers break my parents' rules, I'll just tell you, I did as well. And when it comes to rules, can I point out that you and I have broken God's rules? God has given us the law, and it serves a purpose. It points us to the holiness of God, and that God is a righteous, holy judge, and that we fall short of that, and that we have sinned against God, and that we're rightly under condemnation, and it's a law that brings death. It all sounds like bad news. It all sounds like bad news. But you will never understand the good news of the gospel unless you understand the bad news of sin. And you'll never see the full picture of the glory of God if all you see is one part of that. If all you see is the love of God and not the holiness of God, you'll never really see the true glory of God. The Bible reminds us that we see God's glory in the law. God gave us the law. The Ten Commandments are just a small part of that. Let's imagine for a moment that you uh, think through those Ten Commandments and you come across something like um, you're, not, you're not to lie, to bear false witness. And you say, if you're honest with yourself, you know what, sometimes, I mean, I've kept that a lot of times. I mean, I've told the truth a lot of times, but sometimes I didn't. And so I'm a lawbreaker. Or when it comes to adultery, Jesus said, if I've lusted in my heart, I've committed adultery in my heart. And you say, I'm a lawbreaker. And then, according to the Bible, rightly under condemnation, it's the law of death. But can I just tell you a second part of the, of the glory of God? God? God, we see the glory of God when we see the law. God is holy and righteous and perfect and without sin, without error. But we also see God's glory in grace. 
And would you go with me to verse 9, where the Bible says, if the ministry that brought condemnation had glory, the law, the ministry that brings righteousness, this is the, the glory of grace, it overflows with even more glory. In fact, what had been glorious is not glorious now by comparison because of the glory that surpasses it. So if we can see God's glory in the law, and we can, God is holy, we can see God's glory in grace. God is love. So I want to remind you that not only is God holy, but God is love. And both are part of the attributes of God, the very nature of God. And with God's love comes God's grace given to us so that we can find righteousness. The Bible says in verse 9, this is the ministry that brings righteousness that overflows with even more glory. So here is the, the nature of God, the glory of God that we see in the gospel. We have sinned against God who is holy. God is holy and we are sinners. But God has done something about that because he loves us nonetheless. God is love. And so because God loved us, even though we didn't deserve it, and we deserved God's wrath and righteousness uh, uh, to rightly be separated from God, we deserve the law of death. God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to live the perfect life that we couldn't live and to die the death that we deserve and to rise from the grave to conquer that death and that sin and that unrighteousness so that if we will trust Christ as Savior, the Bible says, God will forgive us because Jesus paid the price. He took our debt, our sin upon himself, and because of his blood, we can be forgiven so that we can stand before God. Now get this, righteous and holy. Now we don't stand before God righteous and holy in our own merit because we are all sinners who fall short of the glory of God. But because Jesus paid the price, when we give our life to Christ, the Bible says we can be forgiven of every sin so that we stand before God as though we had never sinned, righteous, because the righteousness of Christ has been given to us. Now, you see why we call it good news? And you will never understand the glory of God if you don't understand the law and grace that show us God is holy and God is love. And both of those concepts go together. And if you've never trusted Christ as Savior, I'm praying you'll give your life to Christ because this law of grace overflows with even more glory. So Vicki and I were on the uh, interstate recently, and I was driving along in the right-hand lane because I don't drive in the left-hand lane unless passing, and I want to encourage more of you to learn that lesson. That would just be it's just a pet peeve of mine. But I was in the right hand, and someone passed me on the left-hand lane, and this vehicle went by, and I noticed as the vehicle went by, that it had, uh, it was painted. Boy, they can do amazing things with paint on vehicles today. Amazing things. And it was painted to have flames, blue flames, coming out from the, like they were coming out from the tires. Blue flames. Very realistic looking, really like a race car looking vehicle. Blue flames coming out of the tires. The only problem with it was, it was a minivan. A minivan. So somebody decided it would be a great idea to paint blue flames on their minivan. Now, I suppose they were, in, in their heart, they were race car drivers. But in reality, they were driving a minivan. I'll just say they were driving a minivan. And so it doesn't matter how much, what it looked like on the outside. The inside was still a minivan. It still open that sliding door and little kids get in and out and pile up and drop their, uh, you know, juice things. <laughs> I mean, that, it's a minivan. And so, I think sometimes many of us have missed the nature of God. And we've thought, some of you have thought, 
Well, God is holy, and you've forgotten about the love of God. And you've said, boy, I have messed up, and God could never love someone like me, and I'll never be able to do anything for God's glory, and he'll never accept me into his family, and it, my, my life is just messed up beyond hope, and not even God can change anything as though God was not love. But some of you have only seen the love of God as though God's not holy. And you've acted as though God doesn't care about sin and sin's no big deal and whatever you do, it's not, it's not doesn't really matter and just live like you want to live and follow the culture wherever, whatever sinkhole it goes into, you just follow that culture right there as though God is not holy. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit, one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to show us the glory of God. And when we see the glory of God, we recognize, we cry out like the angels in the Old Testament days, God is holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. And we see the love of God, that this holy God loves us despite the fact that we're sinners. And he cares about us individually. And he can forgive us of our sins and save our souls. And the Holy Spirit does this because we are shown by the Holy Spirit the glory of God. And I want you to see this great glorious God. And Christian, if you've seen just a little part of God, if you've not seen the big picture of the holiness and the love of God, I want you to see it more fully. And some of you are here who need to trust Christ as Savior because the gospel, maybe for you, the gospel, you've never really understood it. You've never seen why you need it. Maybe you've thought on the one hand, if I can just be good enough and religious enough, I don't need God as though your sins were not really that big a deal. I'm telling you, God is holy and we stand before a just God ultimately. Or some of you have thought, God will never, could never love someone like me. I want to remind you, God is love, and he cares about you no matter what you've done or what your past may be. And some of you here are believers, and you've trusted Christ as Savior, but you've, you've lost sight of the glory of the gospel. And it's become sort of a ho-hum thing for you. Let me tell you, that's a common thing for Christians. As though the gospel wasn't really a big deal, as though it didn't really matter, as though the shedding of the blood of Jesus which just a nice little thing that we tack on to the nice little things that happen to us in life. But the Holy Spirit is showing us the glory of God and the greatness of God and the power of God, the love of God, the grace that he pours out on us and the opportunity we have to know him as Savior. The ministry of the Spirit shows us that. There's a second principle I'd like you to note. The ministry of the Spirit teaches us God's truth. The ministry of the Spirit teaches us God's truth. The Holy Spirit always points us to the truth, and it always points us to God's Word. God's Word is truth, and God is, the Holy Spirit is always pointing us to God's Word and always reminding us of the truth. God doesn't contradict His Word, and He shows us His Word and teaches us the truth. And the Holy Spirit, one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit, one of the things He wants to do in your life is to point you to the, to the truth and to show you His Word and to remind you of the power of the Word of God. God cares about you so much, He tells you the truth, and He's given you the Bible as a means by which you can know who He is and what He wants, how He wants you to live and what He wants you to do. Let's note a couple of things about God's truth. Note, first of all, God's truth gives boldness. It gives boldness. Verse 12 says this, Since then we have such a hope. I just want to stop there for a second. Some of you have come here or you're watching online, and you felt like your life is hopeless. There's some junk, some baggage, or some pain, and you felt hopeless. The gospel is about hope, and God hasn't forgotten about you. And as long as, as, long as you have breath, there's hope because of the Lord Jesus, and the gospel gives hope. 
Since then we have such a hope, we act with great boldness, Paul says in verse 12. We act with great boldness. Listen, we can come into the presence of God with boldness. We can pray with boldness. We can serve with boldness. Verse 13 says, we're not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from gazing steadily until the end of the glory of what was being set aside. Moses, in the days of uh, his leadership in Israel, would go into the presence of God on behalf of the people. And he'd be in the presence of God. And when he would come out of the presence of God, his face would shine with the glory of God. The Shekinah glory of God would shine from his face physically. And the people said, this is more than we can bear. The glory of God is so great. And so he would cover that, put a veil over his face. And the Bible is saying here, Paul is saying here, listen, we can go into the presence of God with boldness. When we pray, God in heaven hears us when we pray. We don't come to his, into his presence just like, can I really talk to God? You know, he, maybe he won't listen to me. We come with the boldness of a child to a loving parent in prayer, and he hears us when we pray. We can share the gospel with boldness to others. He uses our gifts and abilities and talents as weak as we are. God does that. We can serve and use our gifts, our talent, our time, our resources for God's glory. And he uses it as small as those things may be because of his great power. Moses would be used by God to carry the Ten Commandments and and then to form what was called the tabernacle. That would be a precursor to the temple, the permanent structure, the tabernacle, the tent that was moved eventually to Shiloh, and then the the, the, uh, temple that would eventually follow the permanent structure. And it would include the outer court and the holy place, and then a place called the Holy of Holies. And in the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant. And in the Ark of the Covenant was, among other things, the Ten Commandments, the reminder of the law. The top of the Ark of the Covenant was called the mercy seat. The high priest, and only the high priest, went in once a year, and only once a year, on the Day of Atonement. And the high priest would go on behalf of the people, and he would sprinkle the blood of a sacrifice on the top of the Ark of the Covenant. And it would symbolically show that God, looking down from heaven, would see not the law that we have broken and that shows us guilty before God, but the sacrifice made and the forgiveness that came with that sacrifice. And the Bible is saying that we can come with boldness into God's presence because we have a great high priest who went on our behalf, Jesus. And he came with his blood as a sacrifice so that God, looking at us, does not look at the law we've broken, but when we give our life to Christ, he sees the blood of Jesus shed on our behalf. And we are declared righteous and holy before God and fully forgiven. So we can come to God with boldness. God loves for us to come to him in prayer. We boldly do that, not flippantly. We come to God respectfully, of course, but boldly into his presence. We share the gospel because it's not our power, it's God's power. And it's God's strength, and the Holy Spirit empowers it. And God does that work. God's truth gives boldness, and then God's truth gives revelation. Verse, four, verse 14 says, Their minds were hardened. For this, to this day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, 
the same veil remains. There's a different veil. Moses wore a veil, but there's a veil over the hearts of people. It's not lifted because the Bible says it is set aside only in Christ. Christ sets aside that veil, that hardening of the heart that happens. Verse 15. Yet still today, when, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. There are people who read the Old Testament and miss God, or read the New Testament for that matter and miss God. Did you know in the days of, the, of, the, um, of Jesus walking on this earth, do you remember the story of Jesus and the Pharisees? I mean, the Pharisees knew all kinds of things about God. They knew all kinds of things about God, but they didn't know God. And can I tell you, the danger for many of you is you have lived within the hearing of the gospel and you know about God, but the danger is you won't know God. And you can let that heart grow hardened and you can just hear the words. It's like a rain on a rock that never sinks in. And it just repels, and your heart can hear that word and never let it, never sink. And God in heaven is reminding you, the Holy Spirit wants that to sink in, that veil to be removed, so that you hear the truth of the gospel. Notice what the Bible says here in verse 16. Whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. And the Holy Spirit begins to bring that revelation to light and to show us the truth of God's word and to point us to the scripture and point us to the truth. The point is to who God is and what he says. So you say, how should I live or what should I do or what, what path should I take? God shows us these things in his word. And the Holy Spirit is always driving us back to the word so that we see the revelation of who God is and that we can come into his presence with boldness. We say often in our church, five out of seven. And here's what we're saying. There's seven days in most weeks. Did you know that? And at least five of those seven days, I'd like it to be every day, but at least five of those seven days, we want you to spend time in God's Word, reading God's Word, and praying. Learn what God has to say. Read His Word. Spend some time in, with God in prayer day after day after day. Some of you have maybe never read the New Testament. I've been on a real kick in recent months about reading the Bible for yourself and taking personal responsibility. And I want you to read the New Testament for yourself. It's very doable. 260 chapters. If you'll read two chapters a day, five days a week, you'll read it in half a year. That's how doable it is. And I want you to read it for yourself and read it many times for yourself. Don't just take someone else's word for it. Read the Bible for yourself and ultimately read the entire Bible for yourself. I've talked to a number of people who have been believers for a long time who are just now reading the Bible for the first time. And I want you to learn what the Bible says. And the Holy Spirit wants you to know God's word. The Holy Spirit is leading you towards God's Word. Some of you are feeling that conviction even now as I speak because the Holy Spirit is reminding you of how much God wants you to know the truth and God wants you to know His Word. William Tyndale lived in the 1500s. He's not still alive, of course. And William Tyndale had this crazy idea, this crazy idea that people should be able to read the Bible for themselves. And so he translated the Bible into English so that people could have an opportunity to read the Bible for themselves and not just depend upon the religious authorities to do it for them. And he faced a lot of pushback because of that, ultimately um, leading to his own martyrdom. And here's what Tyndale said to those who disliked this desire to teach God's truth by translating the Bible into their language. He said this, if God spare my life, ere many years, I will cause a boy who drives a plow to know more of the scriptures than you do. 
That's what he said to religious authorities. If God spare my life ere many years, I will cause a boy who drives a plow to know more of the scriptures than you do. Now, God in heaven wants you to know his word. And the Holy Spirit is reminding you of the power and the benefit and the blessing of truth. And so the Holy Spirit is always pointing us to the truth and always pointing us to God's word. There's a third principle I'd like you to know. Would you write this down? The ministry of the Spirit calls us to God's freedom. The ministry of the Spirit calls us to God's freedom. The Holy Spirit always calls us to freedom in Christ. I want you to go with me to verse 17. It's a great verse. If you're a Bible underliner, you may have underlined this verse. The Bible says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I can't help but think about that Braveheart movie about William Wallace, who lived in the, like the 13th century, I think, something like that, and he's not alive either. And he cried out at the end of it. I'm just, it's not a spoiler alert to say that William Wallace died, just, of course. He said, freedom. He just yells out freedom. And the Holy Spirit is calling out to us, freedom. Freedom is found in Christ. It's not found in the world. It's not found in sin. Sin is packaged as freedom, but it's really leading to bondage. Some of you may have read this story. It just happened, to, like very recently. This 56-year-old guy named Michael Packard was a lobster diver off Cape Cod. Did you see this story? And he was swallowed while he was diving for lobster. He was swallowed by a whale. Swallowed by a whale. I'm not, this, I'm not making this up. Swallowed by a whale. Kind of a modern day Jonah. Maybe Jonah had a little, his experience was a little bit longer. But he estimated, Packard estimated that apparently there's a, it's a young whale. He was uh, eating fish, humpbacks eat fish, I guess. And he swallowed this diver by mistake, and he did not like the diver. And he started, he, the Packer said he, he thought he was in the mouth of this whale for like 30 seconds, which is a, uh, you know, that's a pretty long time. I mean, I've not been in the mouth of a whale, but I'm assuming that's a long time, a bad experience. And you could feel the pressing of the tongue against him. And, and eventually it came to the top and, and just spat him out, much like Jonah got spat out onto dry ground. He got spat out into the ocean, and the boats came and picked him up, and he didn't break any bones. He was kind of bruised from the, this massive well, shaking his head with him in it. But he could have said, Packer could have said, listen, you know what? We would say, of course, you're in terrible bondage there in, a, in the mouth of a whale. It's terrible bondage. Packer could have said, listen, no. You were in bondage. It was freedom. I could wiggle my toes anytime I wanted to. You know, I could think what I wanted to think. I had all kinds of choices to make. I had, it's, bondage is freedom. And many people are saying that about sin. It's no, no, it's no big. While Satan is putting the chains of sin around them, they're saying, oh, it's freedom. I mean, I can wiggle my toes anytime I want to. And can I just tell you, when the Bible talks about freedom, it's talking about freedom from sin, not freedom to sin. Because sin always leads to bondage. It always leads to bondage. Now, if you're lost, it means you are separated from God. Sin has caused you to be separated from God who is holy. And you need to be saved by the power of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, there are many believers, many who have trusted Christ as Savior, who have been set free from the power of sin, who are t picking up the old chains and putting them back on. And you can be set free by the power of God. You don't have to stay in bondage. You don't have to stay in bondage. You can be set free. God doesn't want you to stay up in bondage to your past. And some of you, even those of you who have trusted Christ as Savior, are in bondage to your past, to the problems of your parents and your grandparents and beyond, to your own 
issues and struggles of your past. Some of you are living in bondage. When the Lord wants you to find freedom in Christ, you've gone back to some of the old ways. And you've stayed in bondage to unresolved anger, or bondage to pornography, or bondage to your past. And the Lord is crying out to you like William Wallace cried out, freedom. The Holy Spirit is calling that out to us. Freedom. We can see the reality of God, verse 18 says. We all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord. It's like we're, we can see the Lord like a mirror. The Bible says one day we're going to see the Lord face to face. Right now it's like we're looking at a glass darkly, the Bible says. But one day we'll see Jesus face to face, those who know him as Savior. And we begin to see the reality of God and the Holy Spirit is pointing us to the freedom that we can have in the Lord and the reality of, of God who we're going to see face to face one day. The Bible says we are transformed by God. Verse 18 says we're being transformed into the same image. We're being made into Christ's likeness from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. God wants to transform us. He wants, to, he wants to, us to find freedom from sin. Not freedom to sin, but freedom from the power, the bondage, and the pain and the problems of sin. And we can find that in the Spirit, in the Holy Spirit. That's a part of what he's doing. So he convicts you when you do wrong. Some of you, when I talked about bondage, you said, that's me. I know it, that is this area, the uh, enemy has just kept me in bondage. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has the power to set you free. And you can find freedom in Christ. Some of you are lost and you need to find freedom and salvation. The Holy Spirit is calling you to himself, convicting you of your need for the Lord. And why not today give your life to, to Christ? And Christian, why not today say, I'm going to follow you, Lord? The Holy Spirit is showing you the glory of God. Not just part of it, but all of it. A God who is holy and a God who is love. And the Holy Spirit is pointing you to God's word. The truth that can be a foundation of life. And the Holy Spirit is calling you to the freedom that God wants you to have and to enjoy in Christ. Will you bow with me for a word of prayer? Christian, maybe the Lord is just kind of dealing with your heart about one of these areas. Maybe the Holy Spirit is bringing some conviction to your life about one of these areas, about the glory of God. Maybe you've seen the faith as just a little small thing that you tack onto the rest of your schedule, and the, Lord is called, the Holy Spirit is reminding you of the greatness of the glory of God to see him as he is. Or maybe the Holy Spirit's convicting you about his word and he's calling you to a commitment to read God's word for yourself and take personal ownership of studying God's word and learning more about God's plan and purpose for your life. Or maybe he's reminding you about the freedom that comes in the Lord and that he's got something better for you than the bondage that comes with sin. And so he's working to transform you. And if you'll say yes to him today, if you'll say yes to the work of the Holy Spirit today, God will honor and bless that. Won't you say yes to him today? Some of you are hearing this who need to be saved. It's not enough to be good. It's not enough to be religious. You need to be born again, Jesus said. And the Holy Spirit does his job of convicting us so that we will see. He convicts us, the Bible says, of sin and righteousness so that we will repent and trust Christ as Savior. And right where you are today, you could give your life to Christ. Would you be willing to repent of your sin, to acknowledge that you've sinned against God who is holy, that you don't deserve his forgiveness, but to recognize that he loves you so much that he sent Jesus into this world for you to live the life you couldn't live and to die the death you deserved and to rise from the, from the grave. Would you place your faith in Christ? Would you receive him as your savior? And if you will, he'll save you right where you are today. He'll save you. The 
The Holy Spirit does this work on us because he loves us. He convicts, he convinces, he empowers, he strengthens. Say yes to him today. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of this great passage. Thank you we can find hope and meaning and purpose. Thank you for the greatness of the gospel message. Help it not to be small for us, but to help us to see it as it is, the glory of the Lord. And I thank you, Father, for your word and the truth that we find there and the Holy Spirit who is driving us to your word. And I want to thank you that because of the work of the Lord Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit in us, we can find freedom from our past and our problems and our sins because of who you are and what you do and because your power is so great to accomplish that. And so, Father, we're asking you today to do your work in the lives of people who need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.